and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today on The Blaze, live and on demand. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. We are going to be opening up the phone lines here soon, this hour. We want to hear from you and get your take on last night's State of the Union. 888-900-3393. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you do like us on Facebook, there's an ongoing conversation right now. We're asking you there on Facebook, too. For your thoughts on the State of the Union speech last night, we'll be sharing some of those with the audience uh, a little bit later on. No Daniel today. He's on a honeymoon. Apparently, uh, it's the 10-year anniversary for the Horowitzes, and they thought they deserved a vacation or something. But that just means you guys in the audience today, you get to play uh, you get to play a weekly profit of woe and lamentation, uh, or uh, your own uh, political analysis will be provided for us here today on the show. And of course, it is a Wednesday. We'll get to buy, sell, or hold a little bit later on, too. And a truth bomb you need to see to believe. All that and more coming up. First, though, want to extend our condolences. Uh, heard the news this morning. If you are a longtime uh, listener, subscriber, uh, viewer of The Blaze, then you know Doc Thompson. We took over uh, this spot for Doc uh, when he went out to start his own uh, endeavor uh, back in the fall. He died suddenly and tragically uh, yesterday. I heard the news this morning via Twitter, and I know that we inherited some of that audience when we came uh, to join up with The Blaze a few months ago as well. So wanted to express our sympathies, prayers, condolences to those of you that were fans and remained so, as well as to Doc's family. And now here's what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away, brought to you by the State of the Union. A psychotically incoherent speech with cookies and dog poop. Okay, then. Well, here's some highlights. Now is the time for Congress to show the world that America is committed to ending illegal immigration and putting the ruthless coyotes, cartels, drug dealers, and human traffickers out of business. (laughs) Simply put, Walls work and walls save lives. We stand with the Venezuelan people in their noble quest for freedom, and we condemn the brutality of the Maduro regime whose socialist policies have turned that nation from being the wealthiest in South America into a state of abject poverty and despair. We are alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free, and we will stay free. No greater contrast to the beautiful image 
of a mother holding her infant child than the chilling displays our nation saw in recent days. Lawmakers in New York cheered with delight upon the passage of legislation that would allow a baby to be ripped from the mother's womb moments from birth. These are living, feeling, beautiful babies who will never get the chance to share their love and their dreams with the world. And then we had the case of the governor of Virginia, where he stated he would execute a baby after birth to defend the dignity of every person I am asking Congress to pass legislation to prohibit the late-term abortion of children who can feel pain in the mother's womb. But we must reject the politics of revenge, resistance, and retribution, and embrace the boundless potential of cooperation, compromise, and the common good. Tonight, we are also joined by Pittsburgh survivor Judah Sabbath. He arrived at the synagogue as the massacre began. But not only did Judah narrowly escape death last fall, more than seven decades ago, he narrowly survived the Nazi concentration camps. Today is Judah's 81st birthday. <laughs> They wouldn't do that for me, Judah. <laughs> Judah says he can still remember the exact moment nearly 75 years ago, after 10 months in a concentration camp, when he and his family were put on a train and told they were going to another camp. Suddenly, the train screeched to a very strong halt. A soldier appeared. Judah's family braced for the absolute worst. Then his father cried out with joy, it's the Americans, it's the Americans. And the rebuttal brought to you courtesy of leader, King of, of leader Stacey Abrams. Let's be clear, voter suppression is real from making it harder to register and stay on the rolls, to moving and closing polling places, to rejecting lawful ballots, we can no longer ignore these threats to democracy. While I acknowledge the results of the 2018 election here in Georgia, I did not, and we cannot, 
except efforts to undermine our right to vote. Them to do so. We know bipartisanship could craft a 21st century immigration plan, but this administration chooses to cage children and tear families apart. Compassionate treatment at the border is not the same as open borders. President Reagan understood this. President Obama understood this. Americans understand this. And Democrats stand ready to effectively secure our ports and borders. So even as I am very disappointed by the president's approach to our problems, I still don't want him to fail. But we need him to tell the truth and to respect his duties and respect the extraordinary diversity that defines America. Our progress has always been found in the refuge, in the basic instinct of the American experiment, to do right by our people. And that's what happened while we were away. Hmm. Well, you see a contrast in worldviews there. The basic American instinct is to do right by our people. Versus the basic American instinct is all life comes from God who grants us our rights. And we have a right to be free individuals. I, I think that's a, that is as stark of a worldview difference in portrayal as, as I, I think I've seen in my career is we're starting to get to a place of real worldview honesty. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Aaron's Montage, brought to you by our friends at Back to Jerusalem, uh, an organization that works with persecuted Christians in closed countries. They want to reach every closed country between Jerusalem and China with the gospel. What do they mean by a closed country? It means that these are oppressive regimes that don't want the hope that God's word gives to God's people to be led into their country because then they might be more inclined to be inspired to throw off the shackles of oppression. And so those countries are closed off to God's word. But organizations and ministries like Back to Jerusalem, they want to do something about that. And there's a lot of neat and unique approaches to that. One of them is what Back to Jerusalem does. They've they've taken the Bible and essentially put it in a form that's, I guess, small enough to get it through the gatekeepers of, of these closed countries. It is the actual scriptures uh, from Genesis to Revelation as God revealed through history, but it is put in a, a like a pill-sized form where it will be uh, more inclined uh, to get into the hands of the people who need it and desire it the most. And they're asking for our help here today at The Blaze to get 10,000 of these as a good starting point into these Close countries like North Korea, Somalia, Iran, uh, China. If you agree, uh, it's just $15. That's all they're asking from you, the cost of a fast food lunch for you and a friend or a loved one. Here's how you can help. Blazehelp.org is the website. Blazehelp.org. Or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. All right, Todd and Aaron. Let's get into this, uh, what we saw last night in the State of the Union. And here, here's how I want to approach it. So last night, uh, I threw out a series of tweets that were just sort of spur of the moment, stream of consciousness reaction to what I was seeing in real time. And what I want us to do is kind of compare notes on our thoughts, and then we're going to turn it over to you in the audience uh, from there at 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. So we're going to go through these and just uh, each of you give me your quick 
Some of them are spur of the moment when I'm thinking right then. Some of them are more of the big pictures we got towards the end of the speech. We'll go through these. You guys give me like your quickie, hot takey uh, reaction uh, to these real-time thoughts. Uh, beginning uh, with this one here. I, I just needed to throw this in, guys, because I just, this is, it, it, this, this ranks up there with the Cambodian smoking midget and the, uh, the jihadi blown up in real time as he's uh, spouting off as one of the greatest gifts ever. Maybe it is the greatest gift ever. And you know what? It's real. Okay. I just, that has no reason to be there. I just, I thought we needed to look at that again. All right. Let's get to some serious thoughts. I thought I might need to call you at that point. Say, Steve, um, just let's make sure we're sane and lucid during this tweet storm that's coming. <laughs> well, you know, some people decide, some people need a few drinks to loosen up. I need that. <laughs> As your editor, I strongly urge caution. Yes. That's my happy hour. That's my happy hour right there as I just take a look at that gif right there when I need to unwind a little bit. All right, let's get to the real. Gosh, that's awesome. Let's get to the real analysis. So I, I thought the speech did not get off to a good start. And and maybe some of it was me because I was following uh, some college basketball games I really cared about at the same time. Um, I thought the first real, real effective line of the speech was when the president said, we must choose between greatness or gridlock. And tonight I ask you to choose greatness. So I thought the first, uh, you know, opening salvo, I don't know exactly how many minutes, but uh, I was, I was concerned at, at the way things led off. But I thought this line was one of the few bright spots in the very beginning of the speech, gentlemen. Yeah, uh, Jeb Bush called last night during the first 10 minutes and said he really, really likes this speech. Low energy Jeb, uh, exclamation point, called and said that. Um, yes, I agree with the first part. I, I would say, I can't remember if that line was leading up to the criminal justice reform. And I that legislation is terrible. I think there's a lot of problems with it. But if you're going to start by, uh, or if your main pitch was going to be, hey, we've done something bipartisan before, and here's a great story of a result of that, that needed to be your lead. Even though we don't like CJR, uh, you know, criminal justice reform, I think that probably should have been his lead. Nothing, not that anything he said in the first 10 minutes or so was bad or just uh, terrible or the way he said it, you know, it was a little low energy. Um, I just think that you gotta, you gotta be able to reach out and grab people's attention in the first really 60 seconds. And he did not do that until a good 10 minutes into the speech. All right, Todd, we'll get your take on this one next here. So my next thought that I had during the speech was whoever told the president to talk about investigations was wrong and knowing the president and, and having a history with a couple of the people in his communications department, uh, like, uh, Sarah Sanders and, and Hogan Ginley, I, I, I can guess how that stuff got in there. I, I'll bet you he banged the table and demanded there be some references to this in the speech. And the, and the staff went on and on and on and said, don't go there. Nobody cares. Don't scream witch hunt. This is not the format for that. You need to govern, okay? Not make it about you. And they finally went back and forth and compromised. And the compromise was to let the president have some say about partisan investigations. But on the heel of what I thought was a very slow, low energy beginning, to then pivot to, in fact, I will, I'll confess this too. I turned it off for a few minutes after this because I'm like, oh no, not, not, I, I, I couldn't, I, I feared the train wreck was a coming. Okay. So, um, I thought that was a mistake. Uh, but your thoughts during that moment last night. 
Uh, I understand why you think it was a mistake, but my immediate reaction was frustration that that was the place where he showed the most level of passion when I had been f- literally falling asleep uh, before that. You, you, you can't show me you care most about that. Agreed. It, it, it just is, and quite frankly, it still sticks with me because everything we're going to talk about, I still say that the, the, the place he showed the most vigor was in that moment, even when the rhetoric, the the quality of the speech writing uh, was better, he's just not a good speech giver. Hmm. Uh, this was my next thought during the speech last night. I thought it was uh, fascinating that many of the Republicans applauding, and this is where I thought the speech began to pivot, is when he got onto the issue that really made him a political force, illegal immigration. Many of the Republicans applauding the president's rightful condemnation of illegal immigration are themselves open borders pimps. I found that to be ironic last night, Aaron. I mean, one of the reasons why this continues to be an issue yeah. is because they they kept the borders open because they want them open every bit as much as the Democrats do, albeit for different reasons. I saw three different reactions from right of center people on Twitter this morning. Uh, either it was, I hate Trump and therefore his speech sucked. Um, uh, Trump is God and I want to have his baby. And LOL, did you see what the mainstream media said about fill in the blank? Now, for that first group of people, if they have like an, an actual argument, this is what I've heard, meaning the people who just don't like Trump. Um, and so they hated the speech anyway. Here's the main thing that I've heard from from those who might kind of fall into that camp uh, but aren't like the Bill Crystal types. Um, it depends on how you view these speeches, these State of the Union speeches. I think this was the most frustrating part for most people who even thought it was a good speech from the standpoint of of the words that he said and the message that he provided. But if you think that a State of the Union is to lay out a plan uh, to have some sort of consequent, real world consequence while you're watching people who clap for a position that they themselves have worked against, that is a legitimately, legitimately, and I mean that word literally, a legitimately frustrating, nauseating experience. So yes, that for those who are uh, panning the speech because of this, I totally get that motivation. Yeah, I mean, these Republicans could have funded this wall the last two years, and they didn't do that. My next, my next thought, uh, this one's for you, Todd. This is my reaction every time I see the president drop illegal alien. He can't do that enough, as far as I'm concerned. It, I mean, I, I would, I would hey, love it if hey, he, it wasn't. It wasn't illegal alien. It was, it was criminal illegal. I don't care what alien. the context is. Lovable. I don't care. I just want to hear the term. I love it. It. it, it I, I, I'm excited now. Just seeing it in print. I love the term because it offends all of the right people. That's why I like it. I Give me some illegal. Once alien. again, I understand. I might I w- change my name to that. I wish I could have felt that way much, much more. All right. Next thought that I had on the speech last night, Aaron, your reaction to watching Pelosi applaud the president's vow to never abolish ICE. I thought that was interesting last night. Yeah, I mean, I think the Democrats, I, I, I think they I think they were really, really confused and when to stand up and when to clap and when not to. I don't know. I mean, uh, Howard Schultz said a couple of weeks ago, demolishing ICE is, uh, is not a good thing to do. And he was widely panned by the leftist base. She's got to be careful. Uh, let's be, let's just be, no BS. Let's just be honest here. She's got to be careful. She's got to be careful with stuff like that because she's going to get pilloried by her own base, even though she just literally had Trump's uh, junk in her, uh, in a vice grip in her hand just a couple of weeks ago. If she starts applauding uh, the notion of not uh, disbanding ICE, she's, she's going to get, hit by her own base and she's not going to like it. 
I could see that almost being a shot at her own base now that she thinks she's got a wind under some sure. wind at her sails and saying, hey, you guys need to tone down the rhetoric here a little bit before you get us all killed, so to speak. Uh, next, uh, as I was watching the speech last night, I thought this observation from Megyn Kelly was interesting, Todd. The Dems are unsure if applause is in order for the crackdown on sex traffickers, really. And this went through a whole exchange where the president, I thought, was effectively, even with some things I don't even agree with, but was effectively uh, pointing out um, how his policies and his administration um, counter to the narrative have been good for women. Uh, and it was fascinating, too, because this was also the part of the speech where the only time uh, that those women in white got up and cheered, pretending to be suffragettes, yep. was when he, they, they got up to applaud themselves. And it was so they didn't they didn't cheer sex traffickers being being convicted. But when he went, when it got to how many of them have been elected, they got up and made sure to applaud themselves. Yeah, there was a really uncomfortable camera pan to the the white coats, and they were looking at each other for cues. Should I? Should there was I? one point where Ocasio Cortez was literally getting direction on when yeah. to stand up. You could see that happen in real time. Yeah. So this thing is so uncertain of itself, so manipulated, yet. Uh, we, whatever we is, continue to lose to these people. I couldn't. I was thinking at this time uh, when you tweeted this of the uh, Saturday Night Live uh, Dukakis versus H.W. Bush and uh, Lovitz is playing Dukakis and he says, I-, I can't believe I'm losing to this guy. We lose to these people <laughs> all the time. And look at how much they hate decency. Any decency and, at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it, quite frankly, that it, 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 I... I'm going to hit this tone a lot as we go on uh, the course of this discussion. I just know it. But this just it's more chilling that I'm not buoyed uh, by this uh, speech because I just know we've we've seen this before, Steve. We've seen the moment when, oh, they're such hacks. They hate their country so much that America's going to learn. We never learn. The party never learns. It's it's depressing for me. My next thought during last night's State of the Union, Aaron, you get to react to this one. If you had, uh, this was Steve Krakauer, I tweeted this out last night. If you had President Trump gets uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to chant USA as your prop bet for the night, you can cash your one million to one ticket. And again, this goes back to when did they chant USA when it was about them and themselves? See, That's when they chanted it. I don't think that matters when they chanted it. I was going and I was reading some Twitter feeds of some some writers at Think Progress this morning because uh, apparently I like uh, hurting myself. Uh, but no, it, it I was I was looking at it, it. They are absolutely appalled at anything, anything, anything. And I, this is not breaking news. Anything that comes out of Trump's mouth is just he is that is coming out of the mouth of Lucifer himself. I don't care what they were standing and ca- clapping for, even though it is illustrating to us from our point of view that, yeah, they're just clapping for themselves to the base who maybe doesn't think through these things quite as much um, to the base of the, the left, the leftist base, seeing their darling clap and chanting USA inside a state of the union speech by orange man bad. <laughs> what do you think that message sends to their base, guys? That's that's what I was thinking. Continuing on here, uh, looking at last night's State of the Union address, how about Todd watching a major political party in the U.S. not applauding for banning the barbaric practice of killing live children, which only, I think, five nations left on Earth legalize this practice, and North Korea is one of them. Pretty good rule of thumb is when it's down to you and North Korea for something, you're probably wrong, I'm guessing. Well, this is why I'm going to be fascinated. Uh, you said later on we can expect a discussion from you about Starkin worldview differences. Yeah, that'll come up here. In a um, I pray to God you saw something that that I 
didn't I, a glimmer of hope I can trust I can trust in because I'm not, I, let me let me yes let's save it you're right but your hope is there is hope that you're going to get what you want you're just not going to get it from the people you want it from okay uh, but I'll explain that a little bit later on let's go to the next one uh, that I, next thought I had last night um, no no uh, I thought this was the low point of the speech. Uh, and I, and it's mainly because I think Trump's first meeting with North Korea was the low point of his entire presidency. I thought it was a national embarrassment. I was in, as embarrassed as an American as I've been ever. The last time I was this embarrassed as an American is when Carter tried to rescue the hostages. And I was five. Okay. All right. And I got that embarrassment secondhand from members of my adult family at the time. I thought that was groveling beyond contempt. What went on with him and Kim Jong-un and for him to go there again. My only hope is the sequel cannot possibly be as bad as the original. And Todd, I know you want to chime in on this. Just really quickly, if I wasn't so bored by the speech by this time, I was going to tweet back to you. Hey, where's your Jack Nicholson face now, buddy? Yeah, I just I I can't even (laughs) with any more Trump uh, ball washing of Kim Jong-un. I can't do it anymore. All right, Aaron, I promise you get to respond to this one. LOL at Chuck Schumer standing to applaud America never becoming a socialist nation. Did you see him stand and applaud that when Trump said that? last night yeah i mean it's this it's the conversation we've had about um whoopi goldberg trying to put alexandria ocasio cortez in her place and kind of what you said a little bit earlier uh trying to stick it to the base hey you're being a little bit too honest right now so we're gonna tell you you know grandpa chuck's grandpa chuck's in charge right now and we're not we're 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 going we're going down that road but not quite yet we just have to lie a little bit more before we get that yeah now a cynic might say the fact that we're proclaiming we're never going to be a socialist nation when we've pretty much adopted yeah. many of the premises of socialism and the republicans cheering this are funding these premises as we speak and the education and indoctrination for more ocasio cortezes uh, going on out there I, I mean yes that's a great applause line but uh, you know a tree by its fruit Aaron, I'll let you do this one, too, since Todd did uh, back-to-back. Laughing out loud at Republican senators applauding the president vowing to end silly, endless Middle Eastern war when they're out there proclaiming Afghanistan for evs, all I mean, they're up there applauding the president and his foreign policy, which they're trying to rebuke in real time. Like, this week, this was going on. Yeah, that that's, again, this is why people hate State of the Union speeches. Because if you think, if, if, if you're, if you have low expectations... State of the Union speeches, so long as the giver, the president, doesn't fall flat on his face, State of the Union speeches can be a great tool for maybe shifting public opinion on a specific piece of policy. If you expect, if you have a little bit higher standards and you expect a real world outcome, it's stuff like this again, where you see people applauding for a policy you know you, they don't actually believe in or don't support because just last week they showed you that. That's really frustrating, and it just makes this huge thing, this whole thing, just a huge charade, very monarchical, and that's and very meaningless. Yep. Uh, at the end of the day, Todd, this one, uh, this next one here, this one is for you. Uh, Howard Kurtz at Fox News, uh, D.C. foreign policy establishment hates the Trump riff about endless wars, but I think it has more appeal uh, than the experts realize. You're dang right, it does. Absolutely, it does. A lot of Americans, I believe, are tired of this. Uh, I I think they are tired of it, but I think they are tired of it in a way that is uh, of the kind that the po- early polling may do, where uh, you know un- unnamed Democrat stand in or Republican stand in, and but when things when the rubber hits the road, um, they're not really there. I do think they're tired of it, Steve. But I think they're tired of a lot of things, but. 
there's no there there at the end of the day. And that's why the parties get away currently with what they get away with. They, they, they know that they've got us played. They know that the level of pushback we will give them uh, is not sufficient to the task of causing them to really change. Aaron, you get to respond to this next one here. The crucial battle tonight is who's performing their contrived role better. Pelosi is the dignified Senate, complete with uh, the strategic lifting up of the paper to make it look like she's trying to distract uh, from Trump. Or Pence as the earnest amen corner, knowing when to to nod solemnly, when to cheer. Yes, who do you think did their contrived role better last night, Aaron? Hands down, it was uh, Mike Pence. Agreed. Because, How about uh, he nailed it? Nancy Pelosi kept doing stuff with her mouth, which was really weird, and step, it kept uh, shuffling papers around and kept going like this randomly. Um, it, was, it was very distracting and creepy. Yeah, the paper thing, I think, was intentional. I don't think, I, I think the other stuff is typical Nancy Pelosi idiosyncrasism creepiness with the mouth and stuff. She just does that in every setting. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think the paper shuffling was intentional in a way to essentially uh, take the viewer's focus off of Trump and put it on, on her yeah. and to further make it look like this isn't a serious speech. I think that was done on purpose. And Mike Pence's middle name is contrived roles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the minute I said who performed their contrived role better and Pence was an option, winner. Mm-hmm. winner alright next Todd your thoughts on this one I thought Trump gave you a very clever nod to his alt-right anti-Semitic fanboys with the longest honoring of a Jewish citizen in State of the Union history and the amount of people who yeah. thought oh my this wasn't sarcasm oh my gosh goodness I couldn't believe how many people thought didn't understand that that was sarcasm I can I can totally <laughs> believe it alright so you want your worldview clash alright that's coming up that's coming up when we return and your calls stay tuned Hey, when was the last time you had your ears professionally cleaned? Maybe you've got itchy ears, ear pain, that plugged up feeling, especially this time of year. Maybe you're constantly asking people to repeat themselves. If that's you, you might need a medical grade professional ear clean, but now you can get it in the comfort and convenience of your own home with Wax RX, which uses physician developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup, then soothes the ear with a pH conditioned formula. And now you can use Wax RX without a prescription, so no expensive trips to the doctor or wasted time in a waiting room or any cotton swabs or other solutions that don't really solve anything. You can try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. That's usewaxrx.com. That's the website, usewaxrx.com. And use the offer code radio while you're there at checkout for free shipping. Usewaxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. All right, we're going to get to your phone calls here in just a few minutes. 888-900-3393. Your review of last night's State of the Union speech, 888-900-3393. There's two more things that uh, I saw last night uh, following along on Twitter that I want to highlight for the audience and get Todd and Aaron's reaction to first. I thought the final half of the State of the Union speech objectively was objectively excellent and probably the best and most unifying Trump is capable. And I thought he drew a pretty stark contrast with, a left, with the leftist vision of the country. 
And the challenge for him now is to occupy this affirmative space as long as he can this year. And I want to go right to the final one because I think it's a good follow-up to this. My buddy Michael Berry down in Houston, uh, who after watching the speech sent this out, which I think is right on the money. Dear God, don't let him tweet for a week. Let this amazing oration stand and not be minimized by a passing snark. This is what our nation needs just when she needed it. I know it won't get us due from the media, but Americans will consider this and they will respond. And you saw some polling last night, instant reaction polling. CBS YouGov, for example, which yep. is an online polling firm, had, what was it, 76%? 76. Yeah, I thought it was a good speech. So And he, 74, I think, uh, agree with his uh, policies. On, on immigration, ball. yeah. yeah. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I laid out a few days ago the path to re-election for the president, and that there's two options. Just get me to 270 and a win, and then there is, can I have a dramatic mandate from the people by having an existential debate about the vision of the country. This speech speech chose door number two. And I think the reason door number two was chosen is because at the time I gave this analysis, the Ralph Northam story wasn't fully known yet. Um, We were just beginning to have the conversation about infanticide in New York and in Virginia now there's another situation in Virginia where now the state attorney general uh, is is owning up to the fact that he had a blackface incident and he was a racist when he was a kid too, apparently. At this point, can the state of Virginia, and yes, you guys suck at this, at this point, could we just get a list from the Virginia Democratic Party who's not a racist and a baby killer and so we can just cut to the chase, save us some time and, and get on with our lives here, okay? Small list. Yes, it will be maybe a list of none. But um, here's the thing. This is this. I don't. I now believe maybe door number two is the only option. I don't think there is weave me a thread to get to two seventy one or whatever George W. Bush got in two thousand four for reelection. And and the reason why, Todd, you're going to get the debate you want. It it may not end the way you want. It may not be done the way you would like, and we don't. We'll watch it play out in real time, and we'll analyze it as it does. But you're going to get the debate you want. And the reason why you're going to get to the debate you want is the Democrats are going to force this on us. The Republican Party does not want to have this debate. We might have chosen a different proxy uh, or or uh, carrier pigeon uh, on our behalf uh, on the Republican side. But but you know you love your Lord of the Rings quotes as do I. All right, you know we don't get to worry about the times in which we live. All we can do is do the best we can with the time the time that we have, and that's this is going to happen. And this might not be the ideal president by any stretch of the the imagination to be the guy waving the banner on our side of the fence here. All right. But the reality is the Visigoths are coming over the wall. This they are they are they're they're yesterday. Cory Booker literally told a woman again. This is the third separate U.S. senator now that has told somebody they can't serve in government because they're a Christian. This isn't they're not going to tone this down. We watched yesterday Kamala Harris, you saw in the clip, another Democratic presidential candidate. She wouldn't even stand and applaud for, let's get drug dealers out of America. They're not going to get less crazy the longer they're here in Iowa. That process is just beginning. So the debate you want to have, it's going to happen. It may not be under the conditions you would like. It may not end the way you want. And it may not be with the quarterback you would have drafted. But we can't, the Visigoths are now here and they're coming over the wall. So we're going to have it now right 
now. So I think you're saying, if you'll remember, during the 2018 midterms, I always said that uh, the Republicans had a good chance uh, because they could win in spite of themselves. That you are resetting that, and now that's more possible now because we aren't just dealing with a uh, a Senate math map that is just untenable. We're basically dealing with a national referendum here, yes. and that's why that is more possible now. I just got like I just got a text from a buddy of mine who is who started off as a Trump skeptic and is now on the president's political team, and he just literally texted this to me as you were talking. All these Virginia Dems are in trouble if only they had dressed up like a girl instead. Okay, that's that is where we are. <laughs> So we we aren't going to be able to have an election next year on the margins. We aren't going to have an election on, do you want 3.5% growth or a 39% top or 40? Not, we're not going to have that. They don't want to have that. They're, they're coming. They're, they're, they are coming over the wall. And we're going to have to do something and confront this realization. And... Uh, there's there's going to be a group of people in our audience that there is nothing Donald Trump can do or say because of who he is and what he's been in the past that will convince them that they will line up with him as their quarterback. And I can't blame anybody who comes to that conclusion. But understand that if you do, okay, just like we had to wrestle with the with the consequences of, of our choice to be never Trump in 2016 and what that may be for our careers and what it may be for some of our relationships to take this stance. And, and we made the moral decision that at the time we thought that calculation wasn't worth the loss of the high ground that we were trying to occupy, right? right. Well, understand, if you want to continue to occupy that high ground next year, I don't blame anybody for doing that. But you need to understand the Visigoths are going to come over the wall now, regardless of what you think about Donald Trump. They're coming. And, the, and it's not theoretical now. It's not a Washington Post column. They are actually coming over the wall now. And so all of you will have to make your choice about, about whether you can make your peace with Donald Trump or not, because it's not even about him. All right. He, he is the, he's the Zedekiah, he's not Nebuchadnezzar. They're the Nebuchadnezzar. He's the Zedekiah, I believe, is, was the Jewish king at the time. He's the, he's the Zedekiah of the story here, okay? So I have a follow-up. Let's say he shuts down that Twitter account for the most part. And, so, and, and the speech is getting uh, good results. Uh, if his rhetoric generally matches the speech, it's pretty hopeful, it's pretty aspirational. But let's say he has almost no success in the next two years, the wall does not get built. Planned Parenthood doesn't get funded, which means that they will have been successful in coming over a wall. He hasn't been successful in stopping it, but he looks like he's a grown up. Do you think? Are you saying that the the optics of that, even without wins, is something that's winnable? Yes, Just, oh, that's yeah. what I thought you were. Yeah, saying. I, I, because because they're pushing the country further than the country wants to go. The country is not interested in going to the right with us. I'm not going to, I won't ever lie to our audience and, and we're not going to lie to ourselves. Right now, the country is not interested in moving demonstrably to the right with us. It's not really, because I, I don't think the country really knows what it wants. But, but I, I, I'm just as confident that it's not interested in moving as demonstrably to the left as they're going. So I just want to be clear, because we always talk about what we would want to happen versus the obvious. Sure. We would like some wins, but tactically speaking, 
the, his best play just to win might be even if it, winning isn't the most generic important thing. Just look themes. like a grown up yeah. and swoon. The generic themes of most Americans want to believe in the themes he talked about last night. Yeah, agreed. Me too. And and we can be on the sidelines. Well, I don't like family medical leave. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't like. You know. I, to me, I, I I listen before we went on the air last night on the Blaze. We listened to Eric Bowling and Glenn Beck go back and forth on tariffs and economic growth. Remember this, Aaron? Yep. All right. And Eric Bowling. And Eric made the case from the Trump, the pro-Trump position that economic growth gets can get us out of debt. And I, you know, I, I understand some aspects of supply side economics and things of that nature. So I don't think that's a crazy notion. Okay, but uh, and and the reason Eric said that we couldn't overcome the debt of the Obama years is we didn't have enough economic growth while he was doing all the spending. I agree with that too. Well, now we're talking multi, we're talking multi trillions of infrastructure spending. Well, what's that going to do to all the economic growth we're happening? So, so deficit spending when Obama's in office hurts economic growth, but deficit spending when Trump's in office doesn't. You can't either deficit spending hurts economic growth or it doesn't. You see my point? Uh, yeah. And okay. to be fair to him, I think he tried to draw that distinction. Yes, and he did, and yeah. he did, and 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 the speech hadn't been given yet, so this yeah. part of the conversation wasn't included. I'm I'm kind of giving the next chapter of the back and forth that mm-hmm. Glenn and Eric were having, and that's one of the reasons I love this place is we get to have these back and forths rather than let's all line up and here's our talking points and how we sound like good click conservative foot soldiers every day and here's what you're supposed to say and me you actually get to go back and forth like glenn and eric debated tariffs for about 10 minutes last night all right that's those are the conversations we need to have so um there were several policy things in the speech i don't agree with and i would not vote for but the generic themes of americana that he touched on that the democrats mostly set on their ass during See, I don't think most of America is ready to go demonstrably to the right with us. I don't believe most of America is ready to go demonstrably to the left with them. But I do believe most of America still wants to believe in those generic themes. They want to be an American still? They still want to believe in the spirit of America. I mean, I was just sitting here watching it again. And when he talked about when they're on that bus going to the next concentration camp. Yeah, I know. The Americans are coming. and, and, And they see a soldier and like, this might be it. And yeah. can you just see in your mind's eye this Jewish family huddled in the yeah. corner, just maybe saying their last rites basically to each other? That one gave me chills. And yeah. then, and then the dad looks up and says, "Suddenly, it's the Americans." I know. I mean, just I, I had, I started choking up watching oh. that on the replay, let alone watching it last night. Most of America, most of America wants to believe they don't. They're not sure where to go in the future, but they want to believe we can still be the country we were in the past. Oh yeah, and if and if he can sell that vision as the adult in the room, then then he can win. I think a generational argument where they're going to have to have the sort of conversation with themselves on the left that they had coming out of the eighties, and that's where the Bill Clinton Democratic Leadership Council wing came in and said we're too far to the left. John Lovitz, you want to know why Michael Dukakis is losing to George W. Bush or H. W. Bush? Because when you're asked by a CNN anchor, would I, I you know, you, so you're for abortion? Would you want the death penalty for a man who raped and murdered your wife? And you said no. Well, most of America may not have a position on abortion, but most Americans are probably thinking, why would we abort a child but not execute a, a murderer? What that makes no sense in the mental math of a person who's just not given over to paganism, which is really what progressives are selling. They're really selling paganism. That's really what we're talking about. Comments one. Yes. And so if he can offer what Abraham Lincoln used to define as America's civil religion, 
Yeah. Which is the basic belief in the Ten Commandments, the goodness of America, and our founding documents. That's what Lincoln used to call the civil religion around here. If he can, even as imperfect as he is, but if he's the only one selling it in a sea of open pagan communism, no matter how imperfectly of a vessel he may be, if he's the only one selling Americana while they're over here selling Venezuela— and he, and he can stay on that message because, see, that message also gets him off witch hunt, Mueller, Focahontas. It gets him off all that stuff, which makes most of our people laugh but turns most of America off. So the more he's doing this and selling this vision, that's when he's not doing the stuff that drives his negatives up. And that, and, that's what, and, that, and that is the proper response to the argument. See, they believe all of America is the Cal Berkeley faculty meeting. They believe this. I'll never forget the article about the success of American Sniper two years ago, and a guy wrote, this is only surprising all the people that don't live between Los Angeles and New York City, the other 40 states in the country. They believe this. They don't go outside of any of their bubbles either. They aren't prepared to win an argument. They, they can, you're a racist, misogynistic, homophobic bigot because you don't want to give free health care to illegal aliens. You know what argument they can't win? Spirit of America. They can't win that argument because that's where they go from sounding like Martin Luther King Jr. to sounding like Malcolm X. Martin Luther King Jr. will sell in the suburbs of Ohio. Malcolm X won't. Cardi B saying, I'm not going to the Super Bowl because they didn't play Colin Kaepernick. The list of people who, who, who are moved by that is about that small man. And most of them were sitting in white in white suits, only missing their hoods, if you know what I'm saying, in the, in, the, in the Senate gallery or the House gallery last night. So I don't think there's a huge, a huge audience for, dude, let's, let's Milton Friedman this son of a gun. I wish there were. Man, that's my siren song, but there's not. There's not. I also don't think there's a huge audience for Das Vindanya, friends. Let's all bow the knee to Karl Marx, the name above every name. I don't believe there's a huge audience for that, too. But I think there's a huge audience of people who, as of Americans who feel lost. And if someone could convince them that we could be the people that did those things in the past, the 75th anniversary of, of D-Day, for example, we could do those things again. We could be those people again. We could follow in those footsteps again. One of the reasons we're conservatives is we're trying to do what? Conserve things. Yeah. And those things we're trying to conserve are the things that drove those Americans to be those people in the past. We're trying to conserve those values for the future. If he can park here, and, and he's human, and he's very fallible, and all the other things we know about him. And so there's going to be times he's going to color outside the lines. But if he can spend most of his time in this parking space, no one else wants that space. And the American people want to be in this space. They want to be in a space where you can have your gay marriage and we're not shutting down Christian bakers too. Now, those of us on this show and most of you watching know that world is largely not possible because the dark doesn't want to share space with the light, okay? But most Americans don't understand that. And they don't like the choice that the Democrats are foisting upon them. And so if the president can raise the stature of his presidency— they will use him as a, bl- as a blunt instrument to club the Democrats for going there. But that, and that's what he needs to be. If, staying in this space, what Michael Berry talked about at the end, 
Not not groveling the, the guy in North Korea anymore. Not doing that. I can't, someone convince him to cancel that. that. That's like what Woody Hayes once said about the forward pass. Three things can happen and two of them are bad. Okay? He's going, Steve. I know. But the, every time he leaves this space, it's a boost to them. And every time he stays in this space, it's a detriment to them. The amount of time he stays in this space, Spirit of Americana space, the odds of him re- being reelected and the odds of holding off what they want to do go up. And every time he leaves that space, the odds go down. You just put us in the courtroom at the end of um, uh, Steven Spielberg's Amistad, uh, where John Quincy Adams, played by Anthony Hopkins, is talking with ex-slave uh, Morgan Freeman. And he, they're talking, he says, well, tell me about your story. And Morgan Freeman is kind of in awe of being in front of the president. And he's stumbling around and he's just kind of, you know, it's disjointed. And then he's, gent- and he's not a gentleman. He gently stops and he says, no, tell me your story. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what you're saying. And mm-hmm. they go in into a courtroom and they tell that story and they win. You are you were talking about mm-hmm. writing an opus, a, a, a magnum opus. Yes, they, they're not sure about their future, but they still believe in their past. Yeah. Hi there. <laughs> All right. See, this is why I didn't get mad that they fired the break in Dallas a minute early because I knew I was going to screw up later on. And when I did, then hopefully everybody would be merciful. I'm going to be like the attorney general in Virginia. Yes, I think Ralph Northam needs to resign for blackface. And then a few days later, oh, by the way, here was my blackface. Okay. So, hey, thank you. My bad. Welcome. We're back. Live, as you can tell, and and also on demand here at The Blaze. Um, this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock. Uh, did you know a data breach just made 24 million of us, uh, it made us vulnerable to home title fraud. A data breach of that magnitude from a major bank means even if you have identity theft protection, thieves still have the information it takes to go onto a county recorder or accessor site and claim to be you, like a checking account number, a middle initial, last four digits of a social, et cetera. And before you know it, uh, your most valuable investment, the equity in your own home, it's gone. Uh, They have maybe taken the home itself or they have taken out loans on your equity in your name where they get the money and stick you with the payments. Don't let that happen to you. Contact our friends at Home Title Lock for just pennies a day. They'll make sure to protect the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have, the equity to their own home. And right now you can find out how vulnerable is your home's title for free. If you go to Home Title Lock, you get a free title scan and report today for being a part of our family at The Blaze. HomeTitleLock.com is the website. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right. So here's what we're going to do today. Um, We are, we're going to, I'm going to forego the truth bomb, which we will make it up. You need to see this video for yourself. Okay, Um, but um, I want to have more of an opportunity to talk uh, to the audience today, whether it's what folks have posted on Facebook or what you think at 888-900-3393. Did you approve of the president's speech? Do you think he did what he needed to do to try and win back some of the country that either hasn't been paying attention or 
uh, has uh, has decided that uh, they're not a fan of, of some of his persona. Did he pull off what you wanted to see him do last night? 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. So we'll, we'll, for, we'll forego the Truth Bomb segment today. I'll just tell you, go buy my book on Amazon, and I think you'll like it. My kids will appreciate it, too. And leave us a five-star review if you have bought it and you haven't had a chance to do that yet. Please do that. And thank you to all of you that have already done so. All right, let's go check out our Facebook page, 888-900-3393. Your thoughts on the president's speech. So uh, we have a lot of comments. Wow, I'm not even sure where to start with these. So let me let me start with as many of the pithy ones as I possibly can. Um, let's see. I wish people... This is from Helen Lee. I wish people would honestly respect a woman's choice and leave their personal beliefs out of politics. Well, right away, you want your personal belief injected yeah. into politics. Um, Helen, you are saying you want your personal belief that it should be a woman's choice whether to kill a live human being or not. Uh, it should be a policy. So why should we let you have uh, your personal beliefs injected into politics and not someone that disagrees? That's not how that's not how that's not how an argument is fashioned. Um, that's actually tyranny. That's camouflaged as compassion. Okay. So if you want to make the argument, Helen, that it is better to kill these children and have the right to than to save them, make that argument, and you're welcome to do so. That's what a debate is about. But you're not asking for a debate. You're trying to shut one down by saying, hey, I get to impose my beliefs on politics, but if you disagree with me, you don't. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Maybe it does over there at Salon and in the comment sections there at HuffPo. But if you want to come into this arena, we welcome differing views. And I like the debate. Um, I appreciate it. That's Debates are where you know minds get changed. So I'm all for that. But you're not asking for a debate, Helen. You're asking for your side to get its way and for the other side not to be heard. That's, that's not an argument. Uh, Rusty said, I thought it was an inspiring speech. And it also showed us how dark and self-serving the Democratic Party is. I, I don't know. Unless I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I agree. And, and and that and understand we don't do binary choices here on the show. Okay, meaning that everything always is an either or an or or. Um, we we do the binary choices that God says are binary. You're a male or a female. Something is right or it's wrong. So we believe in the stuff that God determines is binary, not humanism, all right? So just because Democrats are dark and self-serving doesn't mean, by extension, therefore, vis-a-vis, Republicans are noble and good. No, uh, I don't believe in any of that, all right? Um, everything you don't like about the Democratic Party, every policy you're watching them pursue that you don't approve of, you need to understand that the Republicans have subsidized all these things. You may find... Abortion, immoral, disgusting, distasteful. I would agree with all those terms and probably come up with a few more. But the Republicans gave the people who do more of them more than anybody else a half billion dollars a year money. So that's why I said last hour, if the president stays in the space of I stand for Americana as the contrast to the paganism that the Democrats are pursuing, then I think that can raise the stature of his presidency enough that people will use, the majority of the American people will use him as a blunt instrument to reject that. But he can't just be, hey, they're bad, vote for me, I'm Donald Trump. Uh, No, no. 
Because these number one, he's the incumbent, and number two, his personal favorables are way too low for that. That won't work. He's got to raise his favorables. And he's probably not capable in this environment, and given who he is, he's probably not capable of raising his favorables strictly on the basis of, of himself alone. He needs to be the conduit, the, the proxy for a higher value, a higher principle than just, do I like Donald Trump or not? And the spirit of Americana and Americanism, and we, we, we can be the people we always were again, that is bigger and higher than him. And if he can stay in that space, that now, because he is essentially hitching his wagon to something more admirable than him, raises, raises the stature of him as the person that is the, the champion of that notion. Again, does that make sense, what I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah, it does. So false binary choices we reject, but, but that doesn't mean relationships aren't true. That doesn't mean symbiotic relationships aren't true. It's just the way that we often articulate them in our politics is uh, that bad, so this good. That's that's not that's that's humanistic simplicity. No, for Trump to be seen as good, it will not just be enough. If we're sitting here, let me put it. Let me let me just no BS. Bring it. All right. If we're sitting here again, like I've done way too often in my career. If we're sitting here having to debate again within the conservative movement about whether to vote for the Republican nominee like we did in 08, like we did in 12, like we did in 16. If we're sitting here doing it again, he's going to lose. And I don't care who they nominate. He is going to lose. And if you think I'm wrong, look at the 13-point swing of suburban women that Republicans won that group in 2010, 2014, and 2016. Trump won them, and they lost them by by an average of five points, and they lost them by eight points. Last November, a 13-point swing. All right? So he's going to lose. And the Visigoths are going to come over the wall and have their way. All right? So I don't want that to happen. So I'm, I'm... I'm doing what I can now, first week of February in 2019, so that I don't have to have this conversation again, uh, Halloween of 2020. How, how many years you've been with me? We've had these conversations days before the election. That's not our fault. That's the fault of who got nominated and the fact that, that per, the person, I'll never forget after Romney won the nomination, I'm driving around one evening, I, turn Mark Levin, I tune in Mark Levin. And, and the reason I tuned Levin in is because I thought he was my best hope of a practical approach to principled conservatism, given who, given who the Republicans had just nominated in Mitt Romney. And I listened to him for an hour. I kept driving in my car to listen, by the way. Because I, I wanted to listen to this all the way through. I listened to him for a full hour, go back and... And use talking points Reagan in, in, in the 80s and Newt Gingrich used in the 90s and other Republican leaders of the past that aren't even like the big stuff we care about, that the really big print, just boilerplate differences that could be drawn. And over and over again, listening to Mark ask, why is this so hard? It, I'm not even asking Mitt Romney to be one of us. These are simple things he could do to have the existential debate that the Todd Erzins of the world want to have. And he wouldn't even do that. He wouldn't even eat a chicken sandwich. 
Okay. So I've done this show. I'm sick of doing this show. I've done this show the Halloween of every presidential election year of my career. And I definitely don't want to do it next year. My personal feelings about Trump aside, I definitely don't want to do it next year when the Visigoths are coming over the wall. They're coming over the wall and it doesn't matter what your position on Donald Trump is. We'd all prefer Aragorn were in charge. Pippin Mary may be. Sauron is coming, whether Aragorn's in charge or Pip and Mary are in charge. Regardless of whether you wanted Pip and Mary in charge or Aragorn in charge, Sauron don't care. He a coming. He's coming. Over the black gate, he's coming. They're coming. And I would like us to be in a position where we can defeat them. And if we're sitting here again in October, and I'm not talking about a few people who can't ever be pleased or a few people that Trump's immoralities have so turned them off they can't be won over. And I don't blame anybody for taking that position. You didn't commit those mistakes. You didn't make those errors in judgment. Who made those errors in judgment? Donald Trump. So if, you, if, if you're not accountable for being offended at, at his offensiveness, he is. Okay? But if we're still sitting here again and I'm doing this show another year, where a solid chunk of our own people are like, I can't buy into this. Understand that only happened because he failed. He failed. That only happened because Romney was failing. That only happened because McCain was failing. Don't let anybody tell you. It happened because you're the purest and you can't ever be pleased and you want to make that perfect, the enemy of the good. No, no, no. And when people lecture you like that, turn it off. No. It's not your job to win your vote. It's the candidates. And now we're in a situation where over here, they're not even using the camouflage words that Obama used really eloquently. They're not dressing any of this up. There's no lipsticks being applied to any pigs anywhere. They're just saying, here's the golden calf. Worship and rejoice. That's what they're doing. It's out in the open now. The devil is in unitard and pitchfork mode, guys. We're not hearing, well, why is, how does my gay marriage affect your gay marriage? We're not hearing, well, you know, I think what a woman wants to do with her own body is none of your business. Or we're not hearing, a, um, you know, uh, what two people want to do in the privacy of their own home. There, all those talking points I've spent my whole career arguing about, were we, were, do we hear any of those anymore? Now it's just uh, uh, agree with evil or you're a racist. Agree with our evil or you hate women. It's out. It's all out in the open now. Everything is. And so there is no excuse for whoever the Republican nominee is. It is There is no excuse for them to ignore this because it's going to be thrown in their faces. The whole country last night saw Nancy Pelosi look at her papers while the president's talking about executing live babies. The whole country last night saw Kamala Harris shake her head no when the president's like, get those damn drug dealers out of here. Send them back to Mexico. Everybody saw... Everybody's on the record. And that's not the only time they're going to do that. They're going to keep doing it. They're going to be honest with us now. Finally. So we are going to have an existential debate. Whether you prefer to have one or not, they're going to force it. And so if we're sitting here again, debating with each other, can we vote for this guy or not? It's because he failed to recognize it and live up and rise to the moment. I don't want that to happen. 
I didn't want this guy in charge. I did everything I could to stop him. All the way to the convention. I didn't vote for him in November. I would prefer Aragorn were in charge of our forces and not Pip and Mary. But Sauron's coming over the gate. He's coming. We cannot escape this now. So some things we've theorized about in the past, some things we wondered in game theory, well, if this happened, we did this. We are beyond now, uh, lesser of two evil argument. We're beyond any of that stuff now. The Visigoths are coming over the wall. Sauron is coming over the Black Gate. This is now survive or not now. That's where it will be now. So I could, I could choose off the top of my head 200 people I'd rather have be my proxy to the American people for this existential trial than the guy that's in there right now. But I don't get to make those choices. My name's Steve. I live in Iowa. I don't, I'm not almighty. My name's not even Evan. So this is where we are. So when we get stuck with this guy as the leader or the opposite proxy general with the Visigoths coming over the wall, then we've got some time now. He's at least, he at least last night addressed some of these topics. You never heard George W. Bush say, execute a child. Never in a million years. You know whose language that sounds like? Mine. That's how we talk around here. Todd, can you imagine George W. Bush saying uh, he, won, he wanted a partial birth abortion ban so we'd stop executing children? Could you imagine he'd ever say that? I cannot. Never in a million years. So this is, our, this is the reality. Sauron is coming over the Black Gate. The Visigoths are coming over the wall. And they don't care what we think about Donald Trump or John Kasich or any of these other personalities that, are, we, that, we, that we lose our minds over because the bait ain't going to click itself. They don't care. This isn't going to be my cottage industry versus your cottage industry this time. This isn't going to be my clickbait versus your clickbait this time. This is, we want to undo your civilization. Oppose us or not. That's what it is. We're talking like a cultural Pearl Harbor here. That's what it is. So I would rather we speak up now. You know, the moment in the wedding when the, when the, when the, when the parson says the classic scene in every soap opera, whoever would oppose this union, speak now or forever hold your peace. Now's the time to speak. Now, now's the time to try to put ourselves in the best position we can because the left America is a common for what's left of America. They're coming. They are not, they are not satisfied with staying where they are. They're coming. Governor of Oregon right now is getting ready to sign a bill in the law that says the state can just come to your house just you know, to visit you when you have a new kid just to make sure everything's peachy. Right. They're coming. So this isn't about theoretics anymore. This isn't about, you know, Rush Limbaugh doing the 85th show of the Democrats are doing. This isn't a game. This isn't about making a buck. This is about your way of life now. 
And I don't say this to give you some fake GOP talking points because I don't trust these Republicans to do a damn thing for us. They're irrelevant to me. They're, they're beyond irrelevant to me. This is about the fact I cannot ignore Sauron's army as coming over the Black Gate. They're here to burn the Shire. You want me to argue about, uh, should, should Mitch McConnell be in charge? or uh, I, I'm sorry, I, can you smell the smoke? I, I, I don't care. I don't care. Uh, what do you think of the freedom? I, I, do you hear that sound? Do you hear the rumbling? Do you hear him coming? It's going to be us or them. We can debate which fraud would be the better Republican speaker if we're lucky enough to get out of this one alive. We don't have time for this right now. That's where we are. I think as much as he grates on me, as much as I'm nauseated by the shilling I can't stand to this day, because I'm just not a joiner by nature, I think we can win this one with the themes he struck last night. I think we can. Or at least, or at least... At least get a midway if you know your World War II reference. Where you don't, you didn't win the war, but you got enough of a stalemate at that point in time to give you time to turn the tide later on. I think we can do this. I'm just, I can see how, unco- you can tell by how uncomfortable they are defending some of their positions now that they're out in the open. You can tell that they know it too. You can tell that they know maybe we've outkicked our coverage here just a tad. We weren't supposed to tell him that yet. You can tell. So I would prefer, rather than lying to ourselves now so that we're dividing amongst ourselves even more later, I would prefer we proactively speak up now when we have a chance to influence. Because once we get into campaign mode next year, the events of the day will organically take on. Once the battle begins... That's not, when the bullets are flying, that's not the time for the ideologues to come in and say, well, you know, have you thought about doing that? No. There's a bayonet at my throat. Someone's living here and someone's dying. That that won't be the time for the strategizing and the homogenizing and the philosophizing about fallopian tubes, Damon Wayans. No. Now's the time to do that right now. And for all the problems Trump brings to the table, he showed a willingness last night. At times. To say, yeah, I'll take this on. Yeah, I can't stand this crap either. I'm going to say something about this. We're going to do something about it. And you know what? Those tended to be the times that most people responded the best. So I don't know. I I have no interest in defending Trump from Robert Mueller. I don't care what, I don't care how many pre-dawn raids they do at Roger Stone's house. He's a fiend anyway. I don't care about any of that crap. I don't care. And that has nothing, that, that will do nothing for my future or yours or our children. But the stuff that he talked about last night will. It will. That stuff will move the needle still. And so just as I've counseled us as a movement, don't exhaust your credibility for uncredible causes when there's a long way to go. By the same token, if he wants to pick up the mantle and say, you know what, I'll charge into the, I'll charge the hill. 
why the hell would we say, nah, let's just sit here and lose? That makes, does that make any sense to you? It makes no sense to me. It, it doesn't make any more sense to me to change what you believe in order to back up somebody that doesn't care about you anyway. I watched people lose their souls for Romneys and McCain's that we all knew the minute they got into office, they would sell us out like that. Think of, go back and look at your Facebook walls in 2012. Where America's over if Mitt Romney doesn't win. And then look what you think of Mitt Romney now. Do you think he changed? No. He just doesn't have the R nominee after his, the magic R after his name. That's the only thing that changed. He was the same person then that you don't like now. The only thing that changed is you were willing to change who you were to rationalize supporting him. And you were going to get nothing out of it in return if he won. Nothing. But you were going to be told to like it anyway. Maybe it is fitting that literally the heavens are opening right now as I'm doing this. I, I don't know how much There's of our thunder. audience can hear this. There's a thunder clap a few minutes ago. We are literally having in Iowa in the middle of a 10-degree day. This is nuts. Are those frogs and locusts yes. pouring down upon us? Please. Oh, crap. I forgot to put the blood outside the door. I mean, it is, it is going, incra- it's going insane out there right now. Um, Aaron, talk about iTarget Pro for a couple of minutes. Let's let the audience take a break and take a breath. Yeah, uh, so the first thing you need to know about iTarget Pro is that I'm a really good shot. And that's kind of the last thing you need to know about. No, iTarget Pro, great product. I was telling you earlier this week about um, how I I got it out last week when we were having weather kind of like this, except it was just too cold to do anything. And uh, I did pretty well. I mean, I, I hadn't gotten it out for a while, hadn't shot for a while. And I did uh, very well uh, using this system. It was I was about um, 10, 15 paces away from the uh, actual target. And I uh, hit inside the six on nine of those shots. So, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, you, though, can get one of these products. If you have any uh, leftover Christmas money or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you're on the ball this year and you've already gotten or you're going to be getting your uh, tax return. Uh, I got an email this morning saying mine's coming back. Uh, fairly quickly, uh, you can get one of these too, uh, maybe with your tax return mo- money. Resolve to take your firearm training to the next level with iTarget Pro. Utilizing your smartphone, their proprietary app tracks a caliber-specific laser, fits inside your firearm, and will detect exactly where your shots are landing. iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with your caliber-specific laser, target system, and instructions so you can begin training immediately. So take, again, that uh, money and the letter I. Go to the letter I, targetpro.com. Check out the video. Choose your caliber and download the app so you can be ready when the system arrives. This month, you can still get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTargetPro system. Save money, save time, take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, offer code STEVE. iTargetPro.com. All right, so... I'm going to call a bit of an audible here. Of course. You knew that was coming, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. We are going to do buy, sell, or hold when we come back. Oh, okay. We are going to do it. All right. So the audience loves it, but here's what we're going to do. And Aaron, if you had some good ones from the audience uh, that they tweeted to you, save them for next week, okay? Okay. What we're going to do is I'm going to look at the the thread on our Facebook page. I kind of started getting into it a little bit, and a couple of the comments already set me off. So here's what we're going to do. During the break, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab some of the comments on our Facebook wall. And I'm going to share them with you two. And you guys are going to tell us if you buy it, sell it, 
or if you're going to hold on what people are saying about the speech last night uh, on our Facebook page. Here's the thing. I, I understand if you're like State of the Union speeches never matter anyway. I agree they, they usually don't matter. But you know what? They usually don't touch on the themes we heard last night. Yes. They, they usually are, and there was some of this, your laundry list of policies that are never going to happen anyway as you just check the box to justify every department you're funding. Okay? But in rare form, like I thought the State of the Union speech that George W. Bush gave after 9-11, for example, um, it is rare that we are, he- we, we are hearing these themes. It would have been very easy for the president last night, and justifiable, by the way, for him to just stick to the message of the economy is great and look at all the things I did to make it what it is right now compared to the other guy. And there was some of that, and that would have been political malpractice if he had not done that, by the way. He was right to do that. But he went to some places that if I were writing the speech, I'd have had the guy I was writing it for go. And I think that's, that's those are the places where I think the real winning is. That's that's where we're going beyond owning the libs. Now now we're now now we are now we're talking about winning the next generation. You've heard me say for many years, Democrats, we were about winning elections. They're about winning the next generation. Now we're talking about real generational warfare if we're going to go to these places. So I would, uh, as a famous man once said, keep hope alive. I, I would like to keep some of the themes, some of those existential themes. I, I'd like to keep them going as much as we can in the platform that we have. So we're going to go through some of the comments on our Facebook page when we come back. And we're going to play buy, sell, or hold with our audience's thoughts on the speech. And you too will play this time. You guys ready to do that? Absolutely. All right, we'll do that. When we come back here next, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. It's bad enough your IRS problems ruined 2018. Don't let them ruin 2019 as well. Consider what's at stake when the IRS has you in its sights, like your paycheck, your bank account, your business, maybe even your home. If you're smart, you'll know better than to deal with the IRS alone. You need expert help. But who? I mean, they're all the same, right? Wrong. Optima Tax Relief is America's number one tax resolution firm. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking Americans with families, paychecks, and bank accounts to protect. When you engage Optima to fight for you and protect what's yours, you're getting a proven award-winning team that can help stop the aggressive collection actions and help put the IRS problems behind you. And that's how Optima has saved nearly a billion, with a B, a billion dollars to their clients. Call for a free consultation while you still have options. Call 800-699-6140. That's 1-800-699-6140 for Optima Tax Relief. All right, let's get to it. Some buy, sell, or hold. All right, so we're going to switch it around today and, and I'm gonna, or this week, and I'm going to do some of the comments on our Facebook page. And you guys are going to tell me, are you buying it? Are you selling it? Are you giving it a hold? You ready to go? Yes. All right, um, Rusty Kerr, I thought it was an inspiring speech, and it also showed us how dark and self-serving the Democratic Party is. Uh, Sal, um, because it, it needed to do more, uh, which is, I, 
a version of what Steve is talking about. Uh, I mean, it, it's just, I have no hope that this can be sustained, which is why I'm not inspired by it. But um, I, I get where you're at. I, I really do. And you're, we're grasping onto whatever we can. Um, but I gotta be, I'm just going to be honest. I was not inspired at the end of it, even though I did find a chilling moment and a uh, chill up my spine moment in it. Overall, I needed more. What was Aaron? the first part of that proposition? First part of the proposition was I thought it was an inspiring speech. Oh. Uh, I'll buy that overall. Yeah. Don't, I mean, there were things, there are things that I have, but overall, I think his entire proposition in its entirety, I think I'll buy that. Vin Marco, he didn't drool and all planes landed without incident despite the hand gesturing. Aaron. I'll buy. That's strange, but I'll buy. <laughs> Low bar. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Matt Ring, if Trump actually cared about any of these themes, he would have made them a priority when Republicans had control of Congress. Bye. See, that's where that's why I answered the way I did the first one. Bye. Bye. Um, can I add a, a, a codicil to that one then? Yeah. Still, if, Steve if, says Steve Day show back there okay. still. Yeah. If, if Republicans actually cared about the themes they stood up and applauded last night, yeah. They, yeah. they would have made them a priority when they had control of Congress. <sighs> I was depressed enough already. Thanks for piling on, buddy. And I, I think, and I, I think, don't care yeah, see, here's the, th- this is why our base <laughs> remains so loyal to Trump. Our people do, because here's the thing. If he wouldn't have brought these themes up last night, wh- who else was going to do it? Yeah. The Republicans have come back and gone with um, keep the government open no matter what. Even Mike Lee's doing that. Keep the government open no matter what. Um, I I have no idea. Can you imagine if we brought Thomas Jefferson back from the dead and said, hey, Tom, what do you think about a bill to keep the government open no matter what it does to you, to keep funding it? Jefferson had been like, y'all haven't started shooting yet? That's what Jefferson would have done. We got Mike Lee even supporting that now. Um, you know, I mean, Afghanistan for Evs, like we've talked about, you know, Syria forevermore. I mean, that's what they would be doing right now. I, You are, of course, right, but that only makes it all— Does it? Does Trump, A, is he aware of that? I have no idea. So See, let, me, let me give you what my motivation is. I think it's always easier to upsell somebody that shows even rudimentary interest for whatever reason in what you're selling than to continue to try to sell people who have shown they have no interest in what you're selling. Well, yeah. So I, I have no interest in these Republicans. So you're, so you're saying None. there's a chance. I get it, yes. None, and if it comes down to uh, it's the Republican Party versus the, 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 the black horde, lock and load, babe. That would be my advice to you because it's every man for himself here. But he is at least showing some interest in using his platform for these themes. Motivations mm-hmm. may not be pure. I don't know, but to me as a guy who owns his own business and has had to create enough revenue. So you guys get paychecks and my family does too. I've learned it's always easy to convince people that have already given you some money to give you more than to convince people that have given you nothing to give you anything. You know what I'm saying? That's why so much of my focus is on him right now. Cause he's at least touching on stuff that we couldn't get. We can't yeah, get see, Republicans see, to say this at CPAC. I, need, I don't, I don't get the people though. So I, I'm draw, I'm been trying to draw this distinction between the people who uh, just hate Trump, and so therefore anything and everything he said last night was just total bunk. It was total. It was just terrible. Right. And the people who maybe don't like Trump, but were able to draw a distinction between yes, maybe what he said was actually good, but the people clapping for it don't believe a word he says, and I'm not even sure that he does, despite the fact that things were good. I'm trying to dis- 
start draw a distinction between uh, that and the people. So the, the latter of what I said, the people who are actually able to draw some distinctions and the people who uh, know better, even know better, who are just trashing the entire thing. When was the last time late term abortion was mentioned in a presidential uh, you know, State of the Union address in the way that it was? Um, when was the last time that we spent, you know, uh, a bunch of time honoring a, a Jew, a survivor of the Holocaust? Uh, when was the last time that we actually, um, you know, had d- direct remark? Okay, l- go back to the abortion thing. Are you- that is, it's so rare, I would say, at least in my lifetime, that this type of issue has been uh, lobbied on a national stage and in a national debate. In the way that I would like it to be, I don't think a 20-week abortion, that that thing is, you know, that's not the legislation I would like. Are these people saying that that's of no value whatsoever? Because that's what I'm hearing sometimes when they're just completely, people who I think know better, completely trashing the speech, even though they may have some reasons to be justified, um, I think it's still of some value. Maybe not very much. Maybe not of enough value to have some real-world consequence, but at least there's some value there. It's not like that was just a completely worthless throwaway. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, listen, the, 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 I saw people, uh, Trump won the 2020, he could have done this last night, and those same people would have said, yeah, yes. he won the 2020. Yeah, I will tell you this, They just want though, Trump to have their baby. Yeah, I, exactly. I will tell you this, though, if he stays in those themes, I do believe he will win the 2020. Yes. He, he, he embarked on the path that would end in that result if he can remain on it. Not even perfectly, but at least consistently. Uh, Lynn uh, Gernert, I was actually impressed with how he opened honoring vets and sincere advocacy for prison reform. When he addressed the women in white, it was awesome. I was proud when he stated America would never be socialist. His stand against abortion and illegal immigration were great. The State of the Union was a pleasant surprise. I didn't vote for him and often avoid watching him, but I was cheering and hopeful for the USA. Okay, I I will uh, I will buy that because there's a clear sincerity there, and it's it's clearly doing what Steve said must happen somebody who is regularly turned off by him said yes yes yeah uh yeah my uncle steve i would i will buy that i was um yeah here's what he said last night after the speech uh heard worse kind of inspiring patriotism unless you're bent on political separation i think that's a fairly succinct description i i think an argument could be made that um divorce is preferable to where this is headed. Um, I, I don't, I don't, again, I don't blame people that have come to that conclusion either. Dave Leach, uh, besides being 90 minutes of my life, I'll never get back. Trump could have just told the networks to replay last year's speech. It was basically the same one. Nothing but rhetorical offerings to his base about abortion, his wall and Israel, along with repeating his promise to advance Ivanka's big government, feminist socialist agenda. So he's got that going for him. See, I will, it's diametrically opposed to what we just heard, and I will also buy that because that's closer uh, to where I'm feeling. And I, I'm apt. I mean, at the very least, I'm in trust but verify mode. I just, I've, you know, we've been here on talk. We've been here on Obamacare, uh, which he mentioned last night as a success. You know, we took away. You know, that, I mean, that's an abject failure in terms of what his goals were said to be. So I can absolutely buy this. And and uh, all of this, I want to point is is your fault, Steve? Is because again, you're the one who convicted me more than any. Anybody, uh, when you can we the Visigoths are over the wall right now. This is the, the point you make about re- reading scripture and about mm-hmm. you know if we how much time do we have left? We don't have time left. Mm-hmm. They are here now, and that's why the words that I would have heard a decade ago and I might have pumped a fist. I, 
I, I've heard them so many damn times and end up with nothing but flaccidness in front of me. I, I can't just trust Donald Trump or anybody with a speech anymore. Somebody needs to grab the jawbone of an ass or else. So this is like – so let me let me press you on this a little bit. Is this like the scene in um, – I think it's Monty Python where they see the horde of people coming then at them. The answer is yes. <laughs> you remember that scene where they see – I think it's – if I'm remembering this correctly, they see a horde of people coming at them and they're just off in the distance and they cut back and forth between the two. Oh, no, it's uh, – it's. Uh, I think when Lancelot comes and rescues the guy who just wants to the, the sing, the, the metrosexual son, and he's off in the distance and he's coming. And he's still coming and the guards are looking at each other and he's still coming. And he's still coming and like finally a minute later – he jumps and he kills both the guards. Are you saying that that's kind of where we're at now? We're at the point where um, it's way too late to get your sword out because, you know, they're already over well, the, the, the walls. If you're fighting for your life and you're still alive, it's not too late to get your sword out. But you, you, you damn well better have a sword and you better use it. Um, yes, I did this to people like you. Although I didn't, I just told the truth. Right. And you verified that what I was telling you was an accurate forecast and came to that conclusion yourself. Here's the difference between all this stuff we've heard before and right now. They are doing the stuff that all these years we warned they were going to do. They're doing it now out in the open. Yeah. And um, at some point, a survival instinct kicks in. There has never been a, a, sure? a, a peaceful transfer of power of this magnitude in the history of human civilization, right? I mean, of an existential nature. People have never peaceably handed over the fundamentals of their, of their own existence. It's never happened in all of human history. It's never happened peaceably. And that instinct, the, some of the same carnal instincts that have allowed us to let it get to this point are some of the same carnal instincts that have a tendency to kick in when it does get to this point at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. That's all. But our instincts are. But if we're at the point now that I'm here to hope and inspire, then uh, then <laughs> then uh, get thee to a, a divorced attorney. But our instincts, <laughs> our instincts seem way too dependent on whether they kick in or not on a guy named Donald Trump. That does that gives me some pause. I don't blame you, but I think I think he's largely irrelevant, and and I think we need to be careful because we're surrounded by so many grifters and and opportunists that. We have to be careful that when he does do good, we're not so jaded and yeah, cynicized by the grifters of and course. opportunists that we, we can't see it when it happens because no matter what he does, I mean, Trump could literally show up in Vietnam with knee pads on in his meeting for Kim Jong-un, change his name to Kim Jong-un. Uh, and offer North Korea the eastern seaboard, and a good part of my Twitter feed will be people saying, this is the greatest offering to North Korea ever, and I can't believe we didn't do it before, and conservatives should applaud this, and here's why. I, I, right? Yeah. And so, I, and, and because of that, you know, it's good to have our radar up, but we, 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 we can't become the cynical versions of that which we hate at the exact same time either of course okay. it was just what three weeks ago i was applauding him pulling pelosi and her company off the bus and buying mcdonald's trust me I'll, I'll i'll find the good if i can find it james edward petrich said people who paid attention on the state of the union could clearly see that half of the democratic party 
uh, and what their reaction showed, they were hardcore socialists. And the other half that the, uh, didn't show it overtly because they know many Democratic voters are more moderate. They showed no respect to the decorum of the people's house. They openly booed in his parts of the president's speech. No class whatsoever with a bunch of baboons. Aaron, buying or selling? I mean, buying, but I mean, this is like buying Apple stock. You know, it's, I mean, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, we, we, we knew that a month ago or two months ago, too, and um, the Republicans still lost to him, so. Jacob Wilson, it was a great job. He really hit it hard at the end. If we see most more of this, his reelection should be a shoe in Let's hope that he stays focused and gets some of what we want done. I won't hold my breath, though. Well, Sal, you can't. You should hold your breath if you think it's a shoe-in. I mean, it's definitely not a shoe-in. It wasn't a shoe-in against Hillary Clinton. No, not sell. Well, I'm not hopeless, so I'm going to buy that because I think that's basically what he's talking about. Just hope that he gets it done. So, yeah. Allison Granada. I'm feeling hopeful after the last night's State of the Union. Trump gave a great, inspiring speech with statistics that can and will be fact-checked. Let's see how dirty the left can get this today. Well, I guess I'll, based on the last one, which is the most unique part of a question we've had so far, um, uh, let's see how dirty they can get. I'll buy that. I mean, that's that's their modus operandi. That's what they do. I think I'm not saying we should never respond or react or correct, but I think the ratio is wrong. I got up this morning and my entire feed Everybody, friends of mine, others that I don't have any respect for, everything was, did you watch last night's CNN panel? No. And guess who else didn't watch? Literally anybody that the president needed to win over last night didn't watch any of it either. And I, I think we've got to figure out, and maybe it just can't happen. Maybe the economic realities of our business just don't permit it. That We've got to, we've got to res- respond to everything Alyssa Milano says, even though most of America hasn't cared since who was the boss, okay? Uh, I, I, maybe that's just who we are. And that, as we like to say around here, the bait ain't going to click itself, you know? Okay, then, then let's just keep that real um, and just say we're doing – this is a business because that is not how to follow up what the president tried to chart last night whatsoever. I mean, most of America doesn't watch any of this and doesn't care and hates CNN every bit as much as all of us do for all of the same reasons, by the way. Mm-hmm. They hate them too. They don't care. All right? Most of America doesn't know what a Van Jones is. I didn't know who Lena Dunham was until watching other conservatives clickbait her. I had no clue what she was. So I, I think we need to understand that every every moment we're doing the 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 mama you know kids got to eat over here is a moment we're actually not reaching the next generation when there's an opening to do it right now i understand there's economic realities i, I have a segment on my show every week my kids are still hoping for disney by the way um i get it so i'm not i'm not saying hey don't don't pay the bills i'm not lives fortunes sacred honor yeah fortune's got to be in there somewhere right yeah. fortune is in there is it not okay yeah. uh but hey uh can, can we maybe turn a dial and adjust the formula so that earnestly, affirmatively advancing our principles is in there like somewhere, somewhere? Because it was 120% to zilch when I got up this morning and looked at the aftermath. It was just all reacting to Brian Williams and everything. Nobody watches this stuff. Nobody does. So nobody that we need to change, nobody that we need to 
We need to hope the president inspired with the stuff we're talking about. And nobody, 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 nobody. I think tackle that point. Uh, we need to bring up what you said yesterday. Uh, forgive the World War One movie, Steve. For, forgive me. For they shall not grow old. Uh, well, and the power of that, you know, to the, even people who know the history of World War One, as you do. Hold on you, one second. I'll let you get the last oh, word yeah. here, but I got to mention uh, Todd's last word today. Brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. Don't let your home's title be taken away from you. Speaking of grifters and opportunists, don't let it happen to you. It's the most valuable asset most Americans will ever have. The equity in their own home, protect it right now via Home Title Lock. Identity theft protection won't protect your home, but Home Title Lock will for just pennies a day. Put a virtual barrier around your home's title. If they detect anything sinister, they're on it right away. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Go. But the, You said it was phenomenal the way Peter Jackson decided to tell that story, the artistry of it. It allowed people to hear a old story anew in a way that has impact today. That's what you're talking about, about we're taking timeless principles, observational science of conservatism. How do you tell that story anew? We keep just resetting the same dumbassery. Yeah. We've got to get this I mean, the day out. After, the day after the Super Bowl, you should be talking about what? The Super Bowl. Not, hey, did you see what Jamel Hill tweeted last night? Right, exactly. Do that in May, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But last night, we had the president lay down a marker. Try to advance the ball a little bit. Alyssa Milano will be dumb tomorrow. She'll be dumb next week. CNN will be idiotic next month. You know, we've got to advance the ball here when the opportunity presents itself. John 3, 17. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.